Uh, so let's uh, spend some time in the Word of God. Romans chapter 6, we are continuing our series through the book of Romans this morning. Romans chapter 6, verse 15 is where we'll start, and we'll go through verses 23. Romans chapter 6, verse 15 through 23. Hear now the words of the Lord. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Those are the very words of God. Amen? Amen. Uh, So, uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, and before I say that, um, it's actually Black History Month as well. Um, and the title of my sermon is Slavery is Alive and Well. And let me just preface that by saying um, you will not hear the angry black man this week um, because it's the start of Black History Month. Uh, now next week, um, no, nah, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> you, you get a pass this week. Um, but the reality is it's Super Bowl Sunday and preparations are being made for such a huge occasion and a huge event, Super Bowl 48, um, MetLife Stadium there in East Rutherford, New Jersey. It'll be filled with crazed fans all over the place. Uh, and we're going to see this head-to-head of Russell Wilson and the MVP of the NFL, Peyton Manning. Or some would say we'll see this head-to-head of Peyton Manning and Richard Sherman, right? Um, So we're about to see this game, and you need to know that there are millions in Vegas on this game. Millions, if not billions. Um, This game is of huge importance to so many people, uh, but it's easy to miss some of the more important details of what's surrounding this event. Super Bowl has become, get this, the largest event for human trafficking in the United States. Uh, There are tens of thousands of women who will be forced to do sexual or forced labor, um, and and even women that are underage as well. Tens of thousands of them. According to the National Center of uh, Missing and Exploited Children, uh, they they claim that approximately 10,000 women were involved in sex trafficking during the 2010 Super Bowl in Miami. 
10,000 women. These are American women. These are foreign women. um, And many of them are underage. Statistics say uh, that sex trafficking is, get this, a $9.5 billion annual business in the United States. $9.5 billion. Statistics also show that there are some 100 to 150 underage girls being forced to do acts against their will for the monetary gain of others. This is huge stuff. See, many of us think that slavery was something of antiquity. We think that slavery was of the 17th, 18th, and 19th century, and it's all completely done now, but not so. Not so fast. Slavery is still happening today. Now, they look different. There's a slavery today that has a different face than it did in the 18th century, but slavery is still alive and well today. And I think when we come to our text, what we're going to see is Paul giving us a very similar message that slavery is not dead. When you come into a relationship with Christ, there's slavery. When you're outside of a relationship with Christ, there's slavery. What Paul is going to put forth before us this morning is that slavery is alive and well. No matter who you are, no matter where you're from, slavery is alive and well. This morning I want to speak from that subject. Slavery is alive and well. But before we dive in, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness this morning. Thank you, God, for your grace this morning. Thank you for a mercy that is new for us this morning. And many of us, we need it, God. I need it. So we receive it this morning. And so, Father, I pray that by the power of your Spirit, that you would speak to us this morning. I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see the precious truths of the gospel this morning, God. Would you speak to us? Would you have your way in this service this morning? God, would you eliminate distractions and would you do work in our hearts by the power of the gospel, by the power of your spirit? Father, we'll be faithful to give you all the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. See, last week we, um, we were in the first half of Romans chapter 6 and uh, we saw that we were united with Christ. We were united with Christ in his life, in his death, in his, uh, his burial, his resurrection. We were united with Christ. And we saw that our union with Christ really means this, new life. That being united with Christ means we are transformed from our old life and we get this new life. We're new creatures, as 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. If anyone is in Christ, we are new creatures. The old is gone, and behold, the new has come. We learn that we are new creatures. And we want to consistently remind you of where the power comes from. Paul says it this way, Romans 1.16-17. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Paul says, don't you ever forget that the power is not in yourself, but the power is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, not so fast. Don't you ever think that you're good enough to get it right. 
Don't you ever think that you can merit your way into the kingdom of God. But over and over again, that's why Paul is so repetitive. Over and over again, he wants us to know that where we get our power from, where the power comes from, is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, what, what, what Paul is saying is contrary to all the New York Times bestsellers uh, that are self-help books that say uh, these are ten ways to be better and to think better and to think more positively. What Paul's saying is that's not good enough. Paul says you need the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how you're going to get better. It's by being transformed by the, by the gospel of Jesus. But he reminds us of a couple of times in Romans 6 that we are not to abuse grace that's been given to us. Romans 6, 1 through 2 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound by no means? Then again in our passage in Romans six fifteen, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace by no means? Paul says again. And the question is, since grace is real and it is, since grace is available for us, and it is, does that mean I can live any way that I want to live? Since grace is present for me and available for me, does that mean that I can do anything that I want to do? I can live any kind of way I want to live. Paul answers that question for us this morning. See, I think Paul repeats himself all throughout Romans tells us that the only way that you can have a relationship with God is grace through faith. Grace through faith. It's not your own merit. Grace through faith over and over again. Paul is intentional about that. Why? Because we so often forget. And we get in this cyclical process of thinking that we can perform our way into good graces with God. And all we're doing is it, we're, we're like a mouse running on a treadmill, not going anywhere. We cannot perform our way. First thing first, Paul declares that each of us are slaves to something. Paul says each of us are slaves to something. Look at verses 16 through 17 with me. Put your eyes on the Bible. He says this, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become, get this, slaves of righteousness. See, you and I are slaves of something and slaves of somebody. If we determine, we can determine how, who or who or what we're slaves to by determining who or what we obey. Who do you obey? What governs your life? That's how we determine who we are a slave of. Paul says nobody's exempt. You are a slave to somebody. You are a slave to something. Either you are a slave to righteousness or you are a slave to sin. 
You're a slave. Your life is governed by something other than yourself. Paul helps us with this. Uh, I love what Jesus says. He says it best in six twenty-four, in Matthew six twenty-four. He said it this way: No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. What Jesus is saying is, you can only be devoted to one master. And so many of us try to straddle the fence. And we work to be devoted to two masters when Jesus says, No, there can only be one master. There can only be one Lord, one ruler of your life. I think Paul has the same heart as Joshua did when he declared to the people of Shechem in Joshua 24, 15. He says it this way, Choose for yourself this day who you will serve. Choose for yourself this day who you will serve. Why is Joshua saying this? Because he knows that you and I can only serve one master. There can only be one ruler of our lives. There can only be one Lord of our lives. Paul gets this. That's why he's telling us that you are a slave to something or somebody. Paul basically says in verse 16, You are a slave to who you obey, either sin or righteousness. And in verse 17 he says this, But thanks be to God. You missed it. Somebody should have said amen right there. Paul says, But thanks be to God. If I was in another kind of church. Paul says, But thanks be to God. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Paul says, I thank God that when I was a slave to sin, you brought me out of it, God. When my life was saturated with sin, God, you cleaned me up. When I wasn't worthy of your grace or your mercy, God, you saw fit to redeem me. But thanks be to God. God, you called me out. You redeemed me. You called me your son or daughter. But thanks be to God. He says that you who were once slaves to sin have now become obedient. Do you understand that being a slave to sin means your whole life is governed by sin? Your whole life is dominated by sin. Your whole life is ruled by sin. You have no say in the matter. Sin dominates you. And what Paul's saying is, thanks be to God. That grace and mercy has intervened. And now you can be obedient to God. When your life was saturated and overwhelmed with sin, he says, but thanks be to God. You can know God. You can be obedient, but thanks be to God. That's my testimony this morning. But thanks be to God who governs my life, the one who rules my life, but thanks be to God, when I wasn't worthy of His grace and His mercy, He called me out, snatched me out of the pit of sin, gave me a new name, created me to be a new person, 
Paul echoes this same theme in 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20 by saying, You are not your own. You were bought with the price. You don't belong to you. You were bought with the price. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you are no longer your own. You were bought with a heavy price. That price was the blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. Paul says, I don't belong to me anymore. I don't make decisions for, I don't govern my life anymore. I'm not the ruler of my life. I'm not the head of my life because I was bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus. Romans 14, 7 through 8 says it this way. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord. You don't belong to yourself. If your faith is in Jesus Christ, you no longer belong to yourself, but you are His. And you know what? That's freeing this morning. Because I don't have to worry about how my story ends. Why? Because I'm His. I belong to Him. He rules my life. He controls my life. I'm His. I'm no longer my own. What Paul is laboring to help us understand is that outside of Christ, outside of Him, We belong to sin. We still don't belong to ourselves outside of Christ. We belong to sin. And inside of Christ, we belong to Him because we were bought with a price. If you and I belong to God, what does this mean for us? It means that we have a different identity. If we belong to Christ... And if we were bought with a price, get this, our identity is no longer wrapped up in the things of our past. Our identity is no longer in what we did three years ago or last night. Our identity is now in the one true and living God. My identity is in Christ. And that means something for us this morning. We don't have to be burdened by the weight of the law. Why? Because grace rules us and governs us. We are His. We are His. One of my favorite movies um, this past year um, was 12 Years a Slave. It's a a pre-Civil War film, um, and it's the story of Solomon Northup. And uh, Solomon is, uh, he lives in upstate New York. Um, He is a well-to-do family man, um, businessman. Um, He is a husband, he's a dad, uh, loves his family dearly. And um, he is basically tricked uh, into thinking that he's about to do some fancy business deal. He's tricked, um, he is captured, and he is sold into slavery. Um, man, this movie was heavy, heavy on me. Um, I remember watching it and weeping in the movie theater, sitting in my seat, and once it was done, the credits are rolling, and I couldn't move. Um, it was that heavy of a movie. Uh, but here the story goes uh, that Solomon 
uh, is sold into slavery. He finds himself on a plantation in deep south. And there's this one particular scene in the movie that I, I remember vividly. Um, Solomon is uh, unjustly accused and he has a noose wrapped around his neck and he's tied to a tree um, and he is being hung. And at the last moment, uh, help comes on behalf of Solomon. Uh, they force these men uh, by gunpoint to basically not kill Solomon and his life is saved. But Solomon is literally um, left there for hours on his tippy toes, hanging with a noose around his neck um, by a tree. And for hours he is on his tippy toes. There are people all around him. Um, He's hanging right in the middle of the slave quarters. There's people all around him, and yet he is still on his tippy toes only until the master comes home. Get this, there's kids playing in the background. Kids playing in the background, and this man is literally hanging by a thread. How in the world could this, could this be? Because all of the people around him, they're all slaves. And they understand that they're slaves. And because they understand that they're slaves, they don't intervene. They don't try to help this guy. All the while, watching him hang by a thread. Their actions declared to Solomon, we have no help to give you. We're sorry for what you're going through, but we are not our own. We belong to somebody else. If I were my own, I would probably help you. I'd probably help cut you down. But what they were saying through their actions is, I don't belong to me. I can't help you. And what Paul is saying is the same thing. Paul is saying, you don't belong to yourself. You are bought with a price. And you aren't bought with a dollar sign. You are bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And you no longer own yourself. Paul says you are owned by Jesus. If your faith is in Him. He has claimed you with His precious blood. I've got a a question for you this morning. Who are you serving? Who, Who do you belong to? Where does your faith lie? Whose are you? Who are you a slave to? Paul says you're a slave to somebody. Oh, yes, you are. Who do you belong to this morning? Secondly, it's God's job to save us through Jesus and our job to draw closer to God once saved. It is God's job to save us through Jesus and our job to draw closer to God once saved. Look at verse 19 with me. Paul says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. Here's the idea here. Remember the energy you used to put into sin? Um, 
remember the energy you used to put into womanizing? Hmm? Uh, remember the energy you used to put into the pursuit of women? Remember the energy you used to put into the pursuit of money? Remember the energy you used to put in being consumed with thoughts of yourself? Pride. Remember how you used to pursue the drug? Remember how you used to have the taste for the alcohol and you pursued it like nobody's business. Remember the energy that you put into those things. Paul says, now pursue me. Pursue God. You know that in this text, in these few verses, um, the only commandment in this text is right here in verse 19. It says, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness. Paul says, I command you to present your members as slaves to righteousness. And I love the language here. What he's saying is, when you were in the world, when your life was governed by sin, every part of you was dedicated to it. Every part of you, you were dedicated and and all in. You were devoted to your life of sin. And now Paul says, now I command you to dedicate and present every part of you to a life of righteousness. Don't leave one part out. All of your members, he says. I command you to do that with that same intensity that when you were devoted to sin, I command you to devote yourself to righteousness. See, we aren't presenting ourselves as slaves to righteousness for acceptance to God. But because we are accepted, we then present ourselves to righteousness. We present our slaves ourselves as slaves to God, not for acceptance, but from acceptance. Because we have been accepted by the one true God, we now devote our very lives to Him out of gratefulness and thanksgiving. And so as a sign of my heart being so grateful and thankful to the Lord Jesus Christ, God, I want to devote my very being to you because of that. That's what Paul is saying here. Paul says in verse 22, You have been set free from sin, and you have become slaves of God. Do you hear that? That's acceptance. You have been set free from sin, and you have become slaves of God. You don't have to work for God's acceptance. Faith in Jesus breeds God's acceptance. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to perform for it. You and I need to know that eternal life comes as God's free gift or it does not come at all. Either it's going to be God's free gift to us or it's not going to come at all. Your working better and doing better will not gain acceptance to God. I need you to hear me this morning. It doesn't matter how many times you force yourself to not say that curse word again. You will not be 
more acceptable to God. The only way that you are more acceptable to God is through Jesus Christ. Through putting your whole faith, your whole heart, all of your allegiance into Jesus Christ. That's how you are more acceptable to God. We can't perform our way. But once you're set free, you're grateful that your sin didn't take you under. Once you are set free, you are overwhelmed with gratitude that God has claimed you and He didn't have to. Once you are set free, your heart is overflowing with joy because you now see what you are. You now see your sin as it is. You now realize your sin because you've been set free from it. And God has given you a a different view. And now you can see your sin and now your heart is overjoyed and thankful. And so you devote yourself to God out of thankfulness and great and, and thanksgiving. You devote yourself to Him. Um, you, you guys know about Paris Hilton and Kim Kardashian, right? Um, these are two women who are essentially famous for nothing. <laughs> um, what have they done? Tell me. Nothing. Um, here they are, they're, they're very wealthy, uh, they are famous for being famous. Um, and they've got a lot to gain in the future, not because anything that they've done, but because of who their daddies are. You hear me? Here they are, um, they're very wealthy and they've got a lot to gain, not because anything that they've done in their own strength, but because of who their daddies are. And that's what Paul is saying to us. You are not wealthy, you don't have anything, anything to gain in your own right, but because of who your daddy is, if your faith is in Jesus Christ, you have the world to gain. You have no worries. You can put your faith in Jesus Christ. You have the world to gain. That's Paul's point here. And lastly, really quickly, just as being a slave is inevitable, our slavery produces results. Just as being a slave is inevitable, our slavery is inevitable and it produces results. Look at verse 21 through 23 with me. It says this, But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things, get this, is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and it's in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What Paul is doing is he's pitting these two ideas against each other. uh, Bondage to sin and bondage to righteousness. Bondage to obedience in God. He's pitting these things against each other. And he's making it clear to us that you will get results. That each of these things, each of these Slaveries will give you a result. Bondage to sin, Paul says, it produces death. Produces death. And this is not just a physical death, but this is an eternal separation from the Father. What else does it produce? It produces shame. Sin will always leave you in a place of shame. Where you are, un- where you are ashamed of what you've done. 
That's the only place that sin leaves you. See, this is why the gospel is needed. The gospel is needed because when we are in bondage to sin, there is no way out. And you can try to free yourself all you want, but what Paul is telling us is there is no way out of the bondage of sin apart from Jesus Christ. And he's calling us to the good news of the gospel. And apart from it, we are left alienated, we are separated, we are strangers, we are guilty, and we are shameful. Apart from Jesus Christ. Like many of the young ladies in bondage, sin has a hold on some of you this morning. Has a hold of your life and you find yourself neck deep in sin. What would Paul say to you this morning? Paul would say, come to Jesus. He is rest for the weary. Paul would say, Jesus is a burden lifter. If your burdens are too heavy to carry, Paul would say, come to Jesus. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God to save. The only way that you can feel free from your bondage of sin is through Jesus Christ. Bondage. There's also bondage to God. Where does this bondage of God lead? It leads to sanctification in the end, to eternal life. This idea of sanctification, it leads to a process in which you and I are growing closer to knowing the one true Savior. We're, we're growing closer to Him and we're, we're pushing away our brokenness and our sin. Sanctification. And that's what Paul says, being a slave to God leads to sanctification. And in the end, it leads to eternal life. Um, in my house, uh, there, growing up in St. Louis, there were five dishwashers. Five of them. Uh, we didn't have the, 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 the fancy machine that you put the dishes in. Uh, we, there were five manual dishwashers. Um, and I washed so many dishes in my lifetime that I hate washing dishes now. So if you ever invite me to your house for dinner, I will eat your food. But chances of me offering my skills in washing dishes is probably slim to none. Um, so there, there's six people in my house, and after one meal, just imagine the damage that's being done. Okay, so here I am washing dishes for 18 years of my life. I think my fingers are still wrinkled from the dishwater that, that, that my hands used to be in. And of course, since I'm, I'm, I'm the youngest, I, I, I did more dishwashing than everybody else did. Because they would make me take their days too. Um, but here's one of the things you got to know. As I, I, I washed these dishes, and I was faithful to it, this was something I knew in the back of my mind was temporary. Fifteen years old, three more years, and I'm done with these dishes. <laughs> Sixteen years old, just two more years. I'll never see another dish in my life. I know I'll... Seventeen years old, I know the day is coming where I will never have to wash another dish again. Obviously, that's not true, but that's, that's what my 17-year-old mind was thinking, because I didn't ever want to have to see another dish again. After washing all those dishes, to me, this life was temporary. 
It was, it was a life that I couldn't buck up against because my mama didn't play that. And I did it anyway. But in the back of my mind, I knew it was temporary. What Paul is saying, if you want something eternal, put your hope and your faith in Jesus Christ. Be a slave to Jesus Christ. Be a slave to righteousness. And this thing will last forever. And that's good news. Because you don't have to worry about falling from grace. Why? Because this is eternal. Paul is saying. And the essence of the gospel says that you and I are more sinful than we can ever begin to know. But yet Jesus loved us more than we could ever begin to dream. He loved us more than that. And he sent his only son to literally pay the penalty of death for us. And that penalty, through faith in Jesus Christ, gives us, get this, eternal benefits. Benefits that will last forever. Is your hope in Him? Are you a slave to your sin this morning? Or are you a slave to righteousness? Jesus says, if you are a a slave to sin and you would desire to be a slave to righteousness... All you would have to do is put your faith in Jesus Christ. Put your faith in Jesus' life, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. He did that out of love for you and I. And it's something that will pay off for you eternally. Let's pray. Father, thank You that no matter who we are, we are a slave. We're slaves, God. And I pray that if we are slaves to sin here this morning, that you would free us by the finished work of Jesus, that you would free us by the power of your Spirit, God. Would you free us? Thank you, Father, that you are rest for the weary. Thank you that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you that you cared about us and you loved us enough to send your son Jesus to intervene on our behalf. And I pray, Father, this morning that hearts would receive him, that would claim him to be their Lord and Savior. And that, Father, that we would walk in the process of sanctification, that we would grow in grace, that we would walk towards knowing you, Jesus, deeper. Also, Father, I pray that you would bless these tithes and offerings we're about to receive. Thank you for the privilege to give. Thank you, Father, that what we give, you own anyway. And we return it to you, God. I pray that you would bless these offerings and that it would multiply further your, your name and your fame in Memphis, Tennessee and beyond. In Jesus' name. Amen.